0: Selling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to get all the info you need on the Vanderbilt Commodores. This is the Anchor Down Podcast with Vanderbilt reporter Max Hurd. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Max. On Nashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 1025, the game. And the game
1: Nashville app. It's time to that- Listen up to the Anchor Down Podcast here on ESPN, 102.5 The Game. I'm your host, Max Erz, talking all things Vanderbilt Commodores on this first Monday of October, October the 7th. Got a lot of great college football and NFL football going on this month, as well as the MLB playoffs. But we are going to start here on the Anchor Down Podcast, talking Vanderbilt baseball. The defending national champions are ready to hit the field this week for the beginning of fall ball, their fall on-field training sessions. Been back on campus since mid-August. Again, a great season last year and a great team coming back with a lot of new faces. We cover the Vandy boys year-round here on the Anchor Down podcast, and that means not just during the season, not just from February through June back in Omaha where it ended last year. We really mean year-round, and Last year, right about this time, we talked to J.J. Bladet, who ended up becoming a top five pick in the MLB draft, finalist for the Golden Spikes Award and the offensive leader of Vanderbilt's national championship team. This year, again, we will talk with another one of Vanderbilt's top returning players. It is on the pitching side this time, though. It is junior right-hander from Hendersonville and Pope John Paul II, Mason Hickman. Hickman led Vanderbilt staff last year with a 2.05 ERA as a sophomore, made 20 appearances. 13 of those 20 were starts after he broke into the rotation in the midweek between the first and second weekends of Southeastern Conference play. Vanderbilt won all 13 games that he started, including the game that pushed Vanderbilt into the College World Series Finals against Louisville and the National Championship clincher, the winner-take-all Game 3 against Michigan. Hickman went six innings in both of those outings, allowed one run in between them, and became one of Vanderbilt's steadiest hands over the course of his sophomore season. So, for those of you listening over the air or listening online on TheGameNashville.com, the day this podcast is released, which again is Monday, October the 7th, if you're listening on the 7th or listening on 102.5 The Game, the Vandy Boys are back on the field starting tomorrow. So this will be the last night without Vandy Boys Baseball for a long, long time. Mason Hickman, kind enough to sit down with me in the first base dugout at Hawkins Field earlier on this week to talk about his 2019 season, the summer, the fall, and more. Here is Mason Hickman, Vanderbilt baseball junior right-handed pitcher on the Anchor Down podcast. Mason, great to see you, and thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It still feels like summer, but we're getting back towards fall ball here in the first base dugout at Hawkins Field. You guys got your national championship rings and your SEC championship rings a couple weeks ago. The guys who have moved on to pro ball were back in town. Many of them are at Instructs, but they'll be back here for the summer. What did you enjoy most about celebrating that group?
2: Uh, you know, the biggest thing for that was just having the whole crew back together for that moment. I mean, it was special seeing the video come up on the video yeah. board at halftime. It was a really cool experience for all of us, just to kind of reconnect and relive that moment together. Uh, it's probably one of the last few times we'll be together as a group, so it's nice to kind of live in that moment, cherish it, and enjoy it with each other. It's still fresh in some ways, three and a half months out, but as you start
1: to get more distant from
2: Omaha, what sticks with you most? Uh, I mean, it's our, a lot of our players have that experience now, and we understand that that's a goal for us in the future, but at this point right now we just got to focus on, you know the daily progressions, and we got to focus on getting into the fall ball, and getting through that activity, and then just progressing daily. Talk with Mason Hickman, Vanderbilt junior pitcher. How's that sound? Junior pitcher. <laughs> Crazy. <Mason's too> old.
1: <laughs> we talked back in Omaha about just what it meant for you to start the winner-take-all game of the College World Series. Now, as you kind of look back on it, have you thought about it and been kind of like, "Holy cow, that happened"?
2: Uh, over the summer a little bit, it was kind of setting in more and more as we kind of space out further away from it. But at this point, it's just kind of recentering ourselves and realizing that we have a new season in front of us with a new group of guys and kind of taking that mentality that we have a long way to go now. It's kind of hitting the reset button and getting recentered doing everything we need to do daily to get better as a team, as a unit, and just moving forward. Well,
1: if I can get you to reminisce a little bit and, then, and talk back to that start before we fully reset here at the start of October. You gave up hits to the first three batters of that game, and then one of the last 22 guys to face you got a hit. What happened early in that game? What helped you settle down with the mound visit, and what were your reflections on how you pitched in that start?
2: Uh, they put some good swings on balls that were in the zone. It I wasn't an issue of being in the zone. I got ahead on All of them. One of them put a good swing on a pitch on the outside corner. Another one put a good swing on a pitch up in the zone. I mean, they just did a good job of making hard contact with them, and somehow that's how the game works. And then it was just realizing that it's the start of the game. We have a lot of you know, we had a full nine innings left and that there was a lot to still accomplish in that. So it was just making sure that, you know, manage the damage as much as possible. Try to not let any runners score and dealing with one was alright. And then from there, just recentering in the next inning and moving forward.
1: Am I remembering correctly after the first three, you threw ten straight strikes to
2: get out of the inning? Is that yeah, right? it could be. I, I <laughs> might be right. I'm not sure. You moved into the
1: midweek spot in the starting rotation March 19th against Belmont the first Tuesday after SEC play began. What was your reaction, just finding out you'd be able to get the opportunity to that start, heading into just start number one, what would end up being 13 straight?
2: Uh, I mean, it's, you take the same mentality into a start as you would any other appearance. You're just trying to put your team in a position to win, so I mean, it's just limiting runs, limiting their opportunities on the base pass, and doing the same thing. So it's really, it's just a scenery change, but the mentality yeah. still s- remains the same. What was your internal reaction when you found out you wouldn't be starting the season in the weekend rotation? Uh, it's fine. I mean, whatever role they need me to do, I'm more than happy to try and do it to my best ability. So whether they see it as a starting role or a bullpen role or any of, anything else that they need, I'm more than willing to do that because the role they see me in is the role that they see me best producing for the team at the end of the day we need to win ball games and anything we can do to accomplish that is great it's always been interesting
1: to me because especially at the beginning of the season kind of up until that point really pitching roles on this team are really fluid yeah. a lot of guys will start midweek games some guys Ooh. will close games i mean you pitch the seventh eighth ninth inning of a lot of drake starts yeah. early on in the season why does that work
2: uh it's just you know our guys it's the mentality that i talked about earlier it's just trying to put our team in a position to win so any way we can do that and it, doesn't really matter to us we just have the confidence going on the mound that it's basically the same you know this the situation changes but you can't change the level of attack that you have to the batters you can't change your demeanor going on in the mound you just had to be consistent with it your team won all 13 of your starts last year what does that mean to you uh, i mean a lot of it's a lot of the offensive production we had behind us i mean last year we had a great hitting team and they're able to put up runs so you have the confidence knowing that your hitters are going to support you that you can be okay with making a couple of mistakes here and there and being more aggressive to the batters, and luckily it paid off.
1: Talk with Vanderbilt pitcher Mason Hickman as the Vandy boys get ready to start fall training on the field later on this week. It's been a month and a half since you guys got back to class. seems like it's gone pretty quickly. How would you sum up the fall so far?
2: Uh, The fall's been great, you know. We're getting the freshmen into the weight room, getting into a sort of conditioning aspect too, so just getting their bodies ready for the volume that's about to uptick here for fall ball, and it'll be a good thing moving forward. They'll be able to sustain themselves. Everyone's bodies will be feeling good and prepared going into the fall ball season so it'll be great you guys extended the conditioning period last year got on the field later and you do the same this year
1: you were on the field what mid-september your freshman year yeah and then last year was the first week of october you do the same thing that gives you guys more time for conditioning like Mm -hmm. you said what does the team focus on in that time
2: Uh, it's just preparing yourselves uh there's such thing as being in shape for baseball whether it makes sense to people or not and just being strong being physically prepared being able to handle you know the reps that we take out here is important and keeps us healthy keeps us feeling good and benefits everyone really
1: what does that mean specifically for pitchers with arm care and taking care of
2: your arm yeah and also allows like a building up period specifically for the pitchers we get to take time building up our volume and throwing carefully that way we're not rushing the fall ball or anything like that we have plenty of time to build just as our bodies with our arms and it's a great thing to have where do you feel like that helped you guys in the spring absolutely it just allows it's a nice period for us to get acclimated to throwing and getting back into it even with guys throwing in the summer they get a little time off coming back and it's nice to give your arm a little break and then just build up slowly and preparing it properly
1: how did you feel towards the end of last season health-wise and strength-wise
2: great I mean I might have been of a lot of adrenaline in Omaha that made me feel that way but towards the end of the year I still felt strong going through the end of it and I think a lot of that was just being prepared in the fall and carrying that throughout the season.
1: The pitching coaching and staff here obviously with Scott Brown, Chris Hamm, Dave Macias, everybody involved is extremely forward-thinking and always has been. When you were getting recruited was that something that stood out to you?
2: Absolutely that was a big selling point for me it was just the staff is second to none and they're careable for their athletes on and off the field. They just want to make sure that we maintain our state of health all the time. I mean, they're looking out for us constantly, and our staff does a great job of communicating with each other, whether it's Tracy and Hammer, knowing that something's going on with you physically. They'll tailor our uh, programs to that, and it's great.
1: We haven't talked about recruiting, your recruiting specifically, very much before. Who else was interested in kind of talk me through your recruiting process?
2: Uh, It was pretty early on when I committed here. So at the time, it was uh, Old Dominion, Tennessee, Kentucky Parley, uh, Vanderbilt, Lipscomb, but it wasn't much more past, though, just because it was so early on in the stage for me. It's
1: great how many local players there yeah. are on this team. Absolutely. I mean, it, does that contribute to camaraderie,
2: you think? I think so. It's just, uh, you know, you kind of have a special bond with the Tennessee yeah. boys. It's hard to explain. They just they know the area. They know <clears throat> kind of the little details about Tennessee, and it's nice. To have that shared experience with people.
1: We'll get back to the present here with Vanderbilt junior pitcher Mason Hickman. Going into the fall you guys will be on the field shortly for the on-field training sessions and of course it's nothing foreign to you but the pitching plan always changes. How much will you be throwing this fall coming off of a high inning scout in the spring?
2: I think it'll be a normal fall for me. I think the volume won't really change much as it has in the past years. So, I mean that's a big deal for us. Uh, anytime you can get on the mound it's a benefit because there's nothing quite like throwing on the mound. You can throw as much as you want but being on the slope just It's a difference maker, so being able to take advantage of that is important.
1: You were part of a group of returning players who spent the summer here. You didn't go off and play summer ball somewhere. Who all was here, and what was that experience like?
2: Uh, It was me, Kumar Rocker, Harrison Ray, Ty Duvall. I think we had seven freshmen here, and it's a huge benefit for us going into the fall. So we talked about earlier how that period of us building up our bodies with the conditioning and strength is a huge importance for us. And it just lengthens that period. So we got to recover from the, you know, the extenuous season and it was a good opportunity for us to just kinda of sit back, relax, reset, focus on our bodies and get ready for the next season. Was there any part of you that wanted to play in a summer league? Oh uh, yeah, a little bit. It's hard it's taking a step back after that long enough season and just kinda of putting it away for a little bit, not touching the baseball and just focusing on the physical aspect. But it was also, a nice reset for me as well.
1: It's probably early since, like you said, you haven't been throwing the ball a ton. But, yeah. but what changes do you envision for your pitch mix or improvements?
2: Uh, definitely work on the changeup. You know, it started coming along more towards the end of the season. It was nice to have that in the mix, and as well as working on a two pitch breaking ball mix as well. So just kind of throwing some different looks in there to the hitters and just keep improving on the things that I've done well in the past that has made me successful as well.
1: What will help you kind of develop the two breaking balls?
2: Uh, It's just going to be talking to Brownie, looking at film, doing some touch and feel work in the bullpen that will make a difference for it for sure.
1: Talk with Mason Hickman, Vanderbilt Baseball, as the Commodores get ready to get back on the field for fall ball. We talk on Thursday, this interview will come out a few days from now, but we're talking as Walker Buehler gets ready to make uh, start number one in game one of the NLDS tonight for the Dodgers against the Washington Nationals. You held the same role that he held, which is pretty cool, midweek starter, college World Series game finisher basically coming on in those. You guys obviously have a lot of interaction with those alumni, but what's it like to see them pitch on the big stage?
2: Uh, I mean, it's amazing to see you know what this program has produced at the next level, and it's kind of one of the big reasons that people come here is that once you leave here, you're prepared for that next step, whether it's off the field or knowing how to uh, Produce your own outcomes on the field. It's just a great experience to be here and then continuing forward.
1: The new facility where the locker rooms are and the offices, all that, continues to get additions, but
2: do you have a favorite part of it, whether it's historic stuff or fun stuff? I think one of the coolest things we have is the wall of jerseys. That's outside of the offices that have all of our first-round draft picks and all of those that made their major league debuts. It really just ties in that aspect of, This is really a brotherhood for us and once you leave this program that you're never really gone. You'll always be a part of it and it's kind of a cool thing to have for us to walk by and see throughout the day. You guys have a couple of cool things coming up in the
1: fall. You're going to go to Kansas City for an exhibition with Oklahoma State through the Negro League Baseball Museum, and then you're going to see Michigan again. You're going yeah. to see them here, and yeah. of course those are both programs that, that Tim Corbin is, wants here, I mean, with, with Eric Backage and with Josh Holliday, yeah. former assistant coaches here. What are you looking forward to about those two experiences?
2: Uh, the biggest thing is they're both great programs yeah. with a, a lot of great athletes in them, so it'll be a good test for us in the fall to kind of measure, see what we need to improve on going forward for the rest of the fall season and early on in the springs. It's always great when you can play good competition like those two teams and really just see how we compete as a team
1: you guys don't really get to exchange too many pleasantries with michigan in the college world <laughs> series but you'll see them here and you'll see them also in arizona during yeah. the next season potentially in the opening game so that could yeah. be final game of last year for the national championship fall series and then opening game of 2020 do you get a chance to get to know those guys
2: at all uh, i know a couple of them growing up through uh you know high school baseball mm-hmm. and kind of the showcase series and all of that so i'm close with a couple of guys on their team and they're awesome people and I'm sure Baggage runs a great program there as well and that a lot of them are similar players to us personality wise and they have a great team really. Just caught you guys coming out of the pitching lab. I'm not sure if
1: this is something new on your shirt. You guys are all wearing the the No Vandy logo shirts. You have to earn the logo, of course, but you've also got words written on there in Sharpie. Can you tell us what that is?
2: Uh, So it's basically just kind of stuff that we've talked about throughout the classroom. Anything that feels important or impactful to you that we talked about right on your shirt just kind of as a reminder for you and just about the standards we have and anything that you find important to our program really. So you guys are wearing these every day and adding with Sharpie
1: as you go? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's awesome. Well, yeah. it's, uh, in years past, what, it's just been the solid black tee with the numbers. So yep. we've got this on the front. Some of the word I'll just read them so so those at home can know. Vandy boys, mental, breathe, legacy, loyal, connection, standards, relationships, big variety of stuff. And on the back, you have the U.S. map. So We do. It's uh, it's a new thing this year. It's, it's a cool touch. Yeah, it ties sure. in a
2: lot of themes for us that are important, so it's great.
1: One last thing I want to ask you, Mason Hickman, Vanderbilt pitcher, as we get ready to finally turn the page away from the <laughs> National Championship. We're going to keep asking you about it sorry (laughs) what is one thing from maybe all of last season or just in general the way this program works now that you're in your third year in it that you don't think gets enough love or attention
2: who something that that's a tough one i think something that goes overlooked not necessarily overlooked but it's if you come see us play a lot you'll realize that um There's a genuine care level that we have for each other and there's just extreme support between everyone. The the real amount of love we have for each other and the camaraderie that we have, it it exists in other places but you really just feel it here when you see our level of play and the connection that we have with each other. It's something special that I'll never forget and one of my favorite things about Vanderbilt, really. Good stuff. Mason, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Max.
1: Really appreciate that last answer from Mason Hickman talking about how close this Vanderbilt group is and How some don't fully get to see that. And like he said, those who are there day in and day out, watching the team, watching the games, get to see most of it. But I thought it was cool that he brought that up, and I, I agree with him completely. I don't think there's any way to really quantify how close these past few groups have been, and the national championship certainly cements that. Really appreciate Mason Hickman taking the time for that interview earlier on this week. Again, Vanderbilt baseball is back on the field. Tomorrow, for those of you listening over the air, those of you listening online, Tuesday, October the 8th is when Vanderbilt's fall training period begins. It is highlighted by a trip to Kansas City for a fall exhibition matchup with the Oklahoma State Cowboys and old friend Josh Holiday. all of it being hosted by the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City, and there will also be a workout and basically a camp with the Kansas City Urban Youth Training Academy with the two teams. The Vandy boys will be in KC on Friday, October the 18th, Saturday, October the 19th, which is actually next weekend, coming up pretty quickly. So an exhibition early on in the fall schedule, and then they will finish up their fall season with another exhibition. You get two of them. Last year, Vandy spent both against Oklahoma State. This time they'll split it up against Two Power Five programs led by former Vanderbilt assistants. The other one even more familiar than the Pokes. Those Michigan Wolverines who Vanderbilt played in the College World Series finals this past June. Eric Bakich and his club will be down here on Sunday, November the 10th. 10 a.m. exhibition at Hawkins Field. First time we'll see game action against another uniform on the new turf at the Hawk. And then finishing up that week, Vanderbilt will play their intra-squad Black and Gold Series then be done until after the new year in terms of formal on-field training. Thanks again to Mason Hickman for joining me. Thanks to Andrew Pate from Vanderbilt for helping to set that interview up. Again, we cover Vanderbilt baseball year-round here on the Anchor Down podcast. New episodes every Monday night. You can hear them over the air from 9 to 10 on Monday nights here on 1 and 2.5 The Game. That will be our regular time slot for the remainder of the football season, with a couple of exceptions when the Preds will suit up on Mondays, then we'll push to Tuesday but I'll let you know about those a little bit further in advance. You can hear our episodes on demand on thegamenashville.com. Go there, click on Pod Center, and click on Anchor Down to see our full episode archives. Plenty of Vanderbilt baseball talk there. And if you want to relive the College World Series, we've got tons of great content and interviews from the couple weeks that I was fortunate enough to spend in Omaha just a few months ago, starting to get further and further away. But that means that the next college baseball season, is inching closer and closer and closer but we got the playoff baseball to hold us over for now. Couple things from that conversation with Mason Hickman that I want to point out and analyze a little bit more as we go forward here in the Anchor Down podcast. We'll do that on the other side before we get to Vanderbilt football's 31-6 loss at Ole Miss on Saturday evening. This is the Anchor Down podcast with me Max Hers on ESPN 1025 The Game.
2: You're listening to the Anchor
1: Down Podcast. Welcome back. Anchor Down Podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm Max Scherz, your host. Going to keep talking Vandy Boys baseball here on the first Monday of October here on 1025 The Game and TheGameNashville.com. In our first segment, you heard Vanderbilt pitcher Mason Hickman, one of the team's top returning players after the 2019 National Championship, talking about, of course, the 2019 Omaha run, but also the summer, the fall, and heading into next season, what those times of year mean and what is important during those times for the Vanderbilt baseball team. As I said earlier, we cover Vanderbilt baseball year-round here on the Anchor Down podcast, as it should be done, and it's not like the team stops either. We don't stop because they don't stop, and there are stories all throughout the year, and a lot of great stuff from Mason Hickman, who was willing to talk about his pitch mix, what he's been working on, what he's focusing on in June, July, August, September, October. By the way, if you missed any early portion of that interview, for those of you listening over the year, go to TheGameNashville.com, click on PodCenter, click on Anchor Down. The full interview is up there for you to listen. But I want to talk a little bit more and shed a little bit more light on the fall conditioning period for Vanderbilt baseball. I brought it up with Mason Hickman. Vanderbilt extended the training period up until the 2018-19 academic year. So last season, Vanderbilt was coming back mid-August, getting back on campus, same time as the rest of the student body taking a couple of weeks and then getting right back onto the playing field and finishing up around Halloween. You get a certain amount of weeks that you're allocated by the NCAA and, of course, certain amount of hours within those weeks. They were starting earlier and finishing earlier. At the end of the 2018 summer, Tim Corbin and his program changed that. They pushed back their first on-field date to extend... The period of time that they were focusing solely on conditioning before heading into the true baseball calendar. Mason Ickman had positive reviews of it, and we will replay those comments here in just a moment. But first, I wanted to share the impetus for that because 13 months ago, here on this very podcast, I spoke with Vanderbilt strength coach Chris Ham. Ham is entering his sixth season as Vanderbilt baseball strength and conditioning coach, but as Been on the staff longer than that was previously the team's athletic trainer. He works very closely with pitching coach Scott Brown, athletic trainer Tracy Campbell, and the coaches on the hitting side as well. But the primary focus and the thing that Coach Ham and Vanderbilt Baseball seem to be doing better than anybody at any level of baseball right now is developing their pitchers, taking care of their arms, and doing so in a very forward-thinking manner. The change in conditioning was designed to Continue those efforts, and I will let Vanderbilt Baseball Strength and Conditioning Coach Chris Ham explain it as he did in his own words to me last year in September of 2018. And again, this is before they had ever done this. This was heading into their first run of the extended conditioning period, as designed by Vanderbilt Strength Coach Chris Ham for the baseball team.
0: We've actually never laid out a window that's been this big just based on strength and conditioning. So typically we've come back in my history here with the program, we've come back and we've had about two or three weeks without baseball and then all of a sudden fall balls upon us and, and it's full baseball. So looking at it from a month to six weeks of absolutely just physical fitness training and a physical preparation for the kids is, has been a unique opportunity for this, this particular year.
1: In general, with the time you've had in the past, the extra time you've had this year, what are some of the big specifics and focus areas for this time of year for the players?
0: Well, right when they get back is an opportunity for me to do personal evaluations. How they move, any kind of deficiencies that these kids have, what they've done over the summer, have they hurt themselves over the summer, how much have they pitched, how much have they played, how much have they swung getting a nice little history, a nice little background of what some of the freshmen have done. Did they go off and play summer ball? Did they train with anybody in high school or anything like that? So getting those details and actually being able to take time to draw up some plans based on those details, address deficiencies that we might not have gotten an opportunity to with a smaller window. Um, because if, if you look at that smaller window of time, all I, all I get to do in that period of time is get them ready for baseball. Like I don't get to make these wholesale changes or anything like that, but this nice little window has given me that opportunity to fill in the gaps, like take care of some, take care of the arm injuries, get the pitchers prepared for Brownies throwing program and everything like that. So that's been the unique opportunity that, that's come up with this. So.
1: Where do you expect to see that pay dividends?
0: A lot better prepared guys when it comes to our fall season. Hopefully, hopefully, they won't be as fatigued as early, because once we start fall training, it's a full go. It's the volume of swings go up, the volume of pitches go up. Brownie does a great job with our throwing programs, and Coach Baxter and Coach Macias have done pretty good managing swings last year and stuff like that, but hopefully they don't, the kids don't hit a wall. Halfway through the fall season like, like some of them have. In the past.
1: That's Vanderbilt baseball strength coach Chris Ham one year ago here on the Anchor Down Podcast, talking about Vanderbilt's extended fall conditioning period and what he thought it would do for the team. Well, when you win a national championship, probably means the changes worked. But of course, you never know exactly what contributes to what. But last week, Mason Hickman, as you just heard in the first part of the podcast said that how good he felt at the end of the season, his second full collegiate season, in which he really boosted his innings count. As a weekly starter for Vanderbilt for the majority of the year, ended up throwing 96 and two-thirds innings across 20 appearances, the last 13 of which were starts. He said that extra fall period really helped.
2: Absolutely. it just allows. It's a nice period for us to get acclimated to throwing and getting back into it. Even with guys throwing in the summer, they get a little time off coming back, and it's nice to give your arm a little break and then just build up slowly and preparing it properly. How did you feel towards
1: the end of last season, health-wise and strength-wise?
2: Great. I mean, I might have been a lot of adrenaline in Omaha that made me feel that (laughs) way, but towards the end of the year, I still felt strong going through the end of it, and I think a lot of that was just being prepared in the fall and carrying that throughout the season.
1: That fall conditioning period helped Vanderbilt baseball win their national title. Plain and simple. And they're doing it again this year. They'll be on the field later than most, but they have the luxury of doing that based on the weather here. And, of course, it will be cold by the time they're done. But northern schools, northeast schools, Big Ten schools don't have the luxury of doing that. And, of course, and I know there are people who don't like that Vandy baseball plays on an all-turf surface. But in order for them to do the things that I'm talking about right now, they need to have turf. They can't have constant field maintenance going on all fall into mid-November than coming out of it in mid-January into the February season. It's just not possible. They got a new turf surface this year, so there will presumably be even less maintenance involved because they were having to do a little bit to kind of get it back into tip-top shape over the course of last season. That turf had gone in before the 2013 season, so it had lived a full life and was ready for its predecessor. Of course, it doesn't just happen in the fall. Got a chance to talk with Mason Hickman as well about what he did this summer, He had hit his innings limit, so he did not go off and play summer ball. Kumar Rocker had the same thing happen after his freshman year. He was here as well, along with position players and rising seniors, Harrison Ray and Ty Duvall. They were here, and preparing for that fall conditioning period involved, well, more conditioning, more recovery, and really just a chance to get right.
2: period of us building up our bodies with the conditioning and strength is of huge importance for us. And it just lengthens that period. So we got to recover from the, you know, the extenuous season. And it was a good opportunity for us to just kind of sit back, relax, reset, focus on our bodies, and get ready for the next season.
1: For those four guys, two rising seniors, a rising junior in Hickman and a rising sophomore in Rocker, two pitchers who threw a lot of innings, two position players who logged a lot of at-bats and innings in the field for Duvall behind the plate, for Harrison Ray at – A lot of different positions, ended up becoming the team's everyday second baseman, and he's someone who goes all out, makes a lot of diving catches, a lot of physically taxing plays, and also someone who relies on his speed. And the two position players, Ray and Duvall, have both dealt with nagging injuries over the course of their careers, so this time really matters for them. And As more and more players, especially pitchers, are either going to summer ball and leaving early or just not going at all, Hearing current players speak about the immediate value and immediate dividends of not playing summer ball and being on their college campus and being in the weight room and simply having access to the things they have access to year-round but not in a true baseball setting just shows the different ways that time can be spent and the different value that different actions have. Summer ball is certainly best for some players, but The four Vanderbilt players who were here, at least according to Mason Hickman, who was one of them, did what they needed to do and came out of it feeling much better and will have a better fall because of it, which means they'll have a better spring because of it. Vanderbilt baseball will be back on the field tomorrow as we speak. Tuesday, October the 8th, the Vandy boys will be on the practice field at Hawkins. I believe those practices will be open to the public at least for the first week. And the Commodores will be in Kansas City for a fall exhibition with Oklahoma State two Saturdays from now, and then here on Sunday, November the 10th, for a College World Series Finals-friendly rematch with Michigan in a fall exhibition. Vandy may also play Michigan in the season opener. We don't know who's going to play who on which day in the MLB 4 season opening tournament in Scottsdale, Arizona. Vanderbilt played in it last year. They'll be back in it this year with three different foes. Michigan, Cal Poly, and UConn will be there this time. you got to imagine Michigan-Vandy could very easily be the Friday night game. So Vandy could play Michigan in the College World Series Finals, in a fall scrimmage, and then in the spring season opener. That would be pretty funny. These guys are getting to know each other pretty well. I right, we'll take a break. Vanderbilt also has a football team. They did not win this past weekend. 31-6. to We'll break down some key moments from the loss to Ole Miss as the Commodores still remain winless. In SEC play. This is Max Hers and the Anchor Down Podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. This is the Anchor Down Podcast.
2: Her bodies go like September. Welcome back, Anchor
1: Down Podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm Max Hers, your host, talking all things Vanderbilt Commodores here on this Monday evening, October the 7th. I want to welcome you, those of you listening over the air on 1025 The Game. We live Monday nights from 9 to 10 for the remainder of college football season. Here on 1025 The Game, as well as streaming as all of our live programming does on the Game Nashville app and thegamenashville.com, the original home of the podcast where of course you can still find it is thegamenashville.com. Go to thegamenashville.com, click on Pod Center, and then you can choose from our wide array of sports podcasts, Preds, Titans, NASCAR, lots of stuff. So go to Pod Center, click on Anchor Down if you want to find us. Browse our full podcast library while you are there. New episodes of the Anchor Down podcast Monday afternoons and then over the air here on Monday nights. And then shorter football preview episodes on Thursdays. We'll have one previewing this upcoming weekend's matchup with UNLV this Thursday on TheGameNashville.com. Talk baseball in the first couple of segments. Interview with Vanderbilt junior pitcher Mason Hickman as the Vandy boys get back to the Hawkins Field turf for their fall on-field training sessions. That'll happen beginning tomorrow, Tuesday, October the 8th. There's a reason football does not come until later in the show this week. Of course, great interview with Mason Hickman. Big time of year for baseball. But boy, could we have had a worse performance from Vanderbilt football this weekend? I don't think so. 31-6 loss to an Ole Miss team that is middling, of course, along with Vanderbilt and a couple of other programs, Tennessee, Arkansas, to name a few middling around the bottom of the current pecking order in the Southeastern Conference. And Vanderbilt looked to be at least a full league below Ole Miss on both sides of the ball from start to finish on Saturday night in Oxford, Mississippi. I went to the game, actually went to the game as a fan, had a great experience. My second time going to a game in the Grove, or tailgating in the Grove. <laughs> I mean, the the Grove is the attraction. It's, it gets to the point where I just say the Grove as if the Grove were the name of the venue, the name of the stadium, the name of the town, the name of the state. And of course, it's always a good time. Enjoy Vaught-Hemingway. Nice place. They're not selling beer yet, which is unfortunate. They're apparently starting in two weeks. Got to get up off the ground, but Vanderbilt got it going. And I would like to think that Ole Miss has similar resources to what Vanderbilt does, if not better, in terms of concessions and suppliers and things like that. So I'm not sure exactly why they waited, didn't bother to ask around really, but I think every SEC school should be doing this. We've had episodes of the podcast about this, but Ole Miss will be about a half a football season late to the party, and I assume that will carry into both basketball and baseball as well, but Ole Miss's baseball games have not lacked alcohol over the past few years, so football is really where they need it, and it will be coming in a couple weeks when they play Texas A&M. Backdrop aside, let's talk some football. Vanderbilt went down pretty quickly 10 nothing in this game. Got a couple of field goals in the second quarter. Didn't score again and gave up three lengthy and rather embarrassing rushing touchdowns in the second half. Ole Miss won the game 31-6 to on Saturday down at Vaughn-Hemingway. Max Hers on the Anchor Down podcast. Recapping it for you. Ole Miss starts with the football, gets a field goal on their opening drive from Luke Logan, 41-yard kick after they go 51 yards on six plays pretty quickly, just a couple of sets of downs in order to take that 3-0 lead two and a half minutes into the ballgame. Ensuing kickoff, the trouble begins for Vanderbilt if it had not begun already. Justice Shelton, Mosley, only able to bring the kickoff to the 7-yard line after fielding it inside the 5, a little bit of trouble handling it. And Vanderbilt starting inside their own 10 on their first possession of the ballgame. False start before the first snap pushes them half the distance to the goal, so back to the four. Sophomore Harrison Smith's first of ten punts in the game for Vanderbilt gets the ball, not even back to midfield. 38-yard punt from the six to the 44-yard line. Ole Miss starts in plus territory, and it takes them just three plays to extend their lead with their first touchdown on the game. Third play of the drive. First down for the Rebels at Vanderbilt's 33-yard line. Zone read for true freshman quarterback John Rice Plumley, who Derek Mason said they're expecting him to run. He showed off the legs. He did it against Alabama in his first collegiate action, and he did it again against Vanderbilt. A 33-yard touchdown run, but it wasn't as simple as that. A lot of zone read work for Ole Miss in this game, and Pretty much all of it worked, whether it was the quarterback Plumley keeping it or handing it off to the guys flanking him, whether it was Jerry and Ely, Scotty Phillips, Snoop Connor. Ole Miss was running all over Vanderbilt. All four of their touchdowns were rushing touchdowns. Each of the four names I just mentioned had one. The quarterback Plumley, then the runners, Ely, Connor, and Phillips. Olmus in this game, forty-four rushing attempts between the quarterback Plumley, who had exactly half of them. 22 of those 44 attempts, and then the three running backs plus Elijah Moore, who had one other running attempt in the game. 44 rushing attempts for Ole Miss in this football game for 413 rushing yards. Vanderbilt surrendered 413 rushing yards in this game. Just an embarrassing effort. And again, to go back deeply and dive a little bit more deeply into this John Rice Plumley rushing touchdown, which I started to do before. wanting to share that ugly number with you. Zone read, shotgun play as most of the zone reads go. One running back on each hip for John Rice Plumley. Fakes a handoff to one of them. Both of the Vanderbilt linebackers, there were three in on of the play. One was an edge rusher on the quarterback's right side. The other two linebackers were centered around the middle of the formation. They both bit run. They both bit handoff. Plumley takes off to the left. The entire offensive line has forced the defensive line and the remaining backers the other way, giving Plumley a nice lane to run with. And one of the eligible receivers on the play cut off the only Vanderbilt player who had a chance to make a tackle, which was safety Deshaun Jerkins. Jerkins identified the quarterback keeper early, went running towards Plumley, but was cut off from the play pretty easily. Plumley takes off, runs left, gets 33 yards in easily, for the touchdown run. Max Worship ended up reaching him as he got about three yards into the end zone. So not even close. Not even close from the Vanderbilt defense. Just poor poor defense of the zone read, and it would continue all game. Vanderbilt had the only scoring in the second quarter. Riley Gay had a couple of field goals. Gay was back after missing the last game against Northern Illinois with an injury, so Javin Rice did the place kicking in that game. Gay returned, hit those two field goal attempts, Vanderbilt down just 10-6 at halftime. This is a winnable game. The only touchdown that Ole Miss scored was a crazy shift in field position. So, again, that kickoff doomed Vanderbilt. That poor kickoff return doomed Vanderbilt in the first half. Other than that, it was a tight game. 10-6 coming out of the break. Less than three minutes in, Ole Miss's first possession, the first of two long, 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 long 75-plus yard rushing touchdowns for Ole Miss in the quarter. This one was Jerian Ealy, and Ely, like the quarterback Plumlee, is a true freshman who is also on the Ole Miss baseball team. See if we see these guys in the spring when Vanderbilt plays Ole Miss in baseball. That'd be fun. The way it's gone recently, and Kyler Murray is the most prominent example of this, Jameis Winston too, though not as recent, most of these players will end up sticking with one, and it's usually football, because the football players, the football coaches, especially if the aforementioned players are contributors at skill positions like quarterback and running back, which John Rice Plumlee and Jerry Ely are playing for Ole Miss. They they need them in spring ball. That's valuable time, and football demands the year-round calendar more so than baseball does, so they end up just leaving baseball altogether. But it's a fun idea, and I, I hope more guys end up doing both. Seems like Jerry Ely is a heck of a baseball player, too. Haven't seen him play in person, obviously, but he is very much hyped. He, he could have gone straight into the minors and been a very high draft pick, as many of these Vanderbilt baseball players have done, but chose the two-sport route at all Miss. We'll see what happens, but here's what went wrong on Ely's 78-yard score. They went with two running backs in the shotgun again. This was an interesting formation, though. Both backs were to the quarterback's left, so a new look. Don't think we had seen that at all in the game until then. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we had. It was a very cool look. The far left running back took off to the left side of the formation as a blocker, and Ely did too. Ely actually followed him a couple of steps away from the quarterback, then turned back towards Plumley, who handed it to him. Turned himself perpendicular to the offensive line to hand it off to Ely, who had a little bit of momentum coming back from the left side of the formation to the right side of the formation. Kenny Abair, Vanderbilt linebacker, got there right at the mesh point. He got there pretty much right as the handoff was being made. But he didn't pick between the quarterback and the running back. It's obvious that he didn't know which of them had the ball, and he didn't really hit either of them. He had a chance to wrap either of them up. And he could have stopped Ealy on the play for a loss of 5-6 yards. Caught between the quarterback and the running back. Aber didn't make the play, and... That goes contrary to everything that this Jason Tarver defense has preached. We've just heard the ball is everything. Well, on that play, if you're the linebacker getting there on the mesh point of a zone read on a shotgun handoff, the number one thing is who is the football? Your eyes have to be on the ball. And that was a miss there by Kenny Aber, who I think has had a very good season in his second year as a contributor at linebacker and has been a starter, but that was a big miss. Dimitri Moore and one of the Vanderbilt safeties also had a shot before Ely got a first down. They got there at about the same time. The safety dove. Moore tried to bring him down. Didn't work. So 85 yards after the initial contact by Bear, then about 75 or so after the missed tackle, that would have been a first down. First of a couple of embarrassing plays for the Vanderbilt defense, that made it 17-6 Ole Miss with 12-17 left in the third quarter as we Recap Vanderbilt football's 31-6 loss to Ole Miss on Saturday here on the Anchor Down podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Touchdown that put the game away. Vanderbilt, again, still down just two possessions after Ely's long run. Came on the next drive, just over three minutes of game time later. Snoop Connor, 84-yard touchdown run. So within three minutes and 14 seconds of game action, Vanderbilt allowed two runs of 75 yards or longer. They went split backs in the shotgun around Plumlee again. Connor was on Plumlee's left. Got a handoff. Vanderbilt was able to get the initial push of the offensive line, was really able to push the offensive line back, and Connor actually bounced into one of his offensive linemen that was being pushed by a Vanderbilt rusher. But he bounced right off. No resistance. 84 yards to the house. Just an embarrassing sequence for Vandy. They would... Again, not be close on a shorter touchdown run, but still pretty lengthy in the big picture. Scotty Phillips had a 24-yard touchdown scamper for the final scoring of the game. that made a 31-6 Ole Miss. That was the final. I hope you hit the under. Said it on Darren Donick and Chase last week. Show I've been producing for our midday show, 10-2 here on 102.5 The Game. Talk a lot of Vanderbilt there. I said, Everybody, we were taking point totals for our Pick 6 segment, for our Callers Pick segments. Everybody's saying 50s, 60s. There's no chance. No chance. I didn't see either offense getting past the 30s. Vanderbilt, of course, didn't score a touchdown in the game, and Ole Miss only scored 31 because of two touchdowns that were basically flukes. I mean, neither of those long runs should have happened. But Vanderbilt had a lot of trouble with the zone read. It's extremely troubling. Plumlee ran for 185 yards, if you exclude yards lost on sacks. 22 carries. Then also on his 18 pass attempts, had 99 passing yards, but they didn't throw much because they didn't need to. Holmes wins it 31 6. Vanderbilt hosts UNLV this coming Saturday at 3 o'clock on the SEC Network at Vanderbilt Stadium. Full preview of that game coming your way on Thursday on thegamenashville.com. Click on Pod Center. Click on Anchor Down once that episode comes out. Come back with a quick Vandy Boys centric MLB playoff update. It's the Anchor Down podcast with me, Max Herz, on ESPN 1025 The Game.
2: Down Podcast cast
1: is on, on. Welcome back, Anchor Down Podcast. You're on ESPN 1025 the game. Max Herrs with you, talking Vanderbilt Commodores. Promise you an MLB playoffs update from the Vandy Boys. But at the time of this recording, well, nothing has been decided. A lot is up in the air. The Ansby Swanson's Atlanta Braves are in a tie game and could be clinching their spot in the National League Championship Series tonight, but could also be headed for a game five. Same story for Walker Bueller and the Dodgers. Walker Bueller pitched game one, is likely to pitch game five as well if the Nationals are able to get that thing back to LA. So I won't give you any updates because at the time you're hearing this, it's probably already been decided. So we'll lay off that. Vanderbilt Baseball is back on the field tomorrow, Tuesday, October the 8th. Have a little bit of coverage from there on Twitter. Follow me there at Max Hurst Talks. Follow out 1025 The Game. Anchor Down podcast Monday nights from 9 to 10 here on 1025 The Game and on demand anytime on thegamenashville.com. You've been anchoring down and listening up with me, Max Hers. It's the Anchor Down Podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game.